0: and now from the dry hills of santa clarita california it's time for america's least listened to podcast it's christianese with your blessing filled hosts jared burkholder dan satchoff and brian irwin everybody you're listening to christianese am i right jared that's right dan It says christianese Yes. I feel like we're sweeping the quarter hour every time I get on. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, uh, how you doing, guys? I, I immediately go into radio voice. I don't know who I think I am. Casey Kasem. Is that a reference that you understand?
1: I think I've heard of that. I like uh, Harry Carey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like that one better. Okay,
1: now, do you know Harry Carey because
0: you uh, know Will Harry Carey or Will Ferrell? Okay, I was going to say, because I, I actually did not know Harry Carey until Will Ferrell. Did, I was like, then I was like- I had to look it up, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he does
1: sound like that. Yeah. Le moon's made of cheese.
0: <laughs> Ha! <laughs> hey, you're listening to Christian Ease. This is the show where we search for meaning. We talk about life from a Christian worldview. And uh, we
1: got a special guest today. He's not with us right this second. In fact, he'll be with us in mere moments. Our dear friend Brian had to go to the vet today. Yep. You've probably kept up if
0: you've listened to the podcast. And if not, go back and you listen. You should. You <laughs> really should. It's <laughs> scintillating. Uh, oh, man. No, but he's got a kitty cat who's who's sick. And yeah. so he's dealing with that today. So he can't uh, he can't be here. But we've got another friend of mine from the... But. But. Uh, we've got another friend uh, of ours of mine from the stand up comedy world named Patrick Keane. Very excited. Good Irishman.
1: And you guys have worked together over the years, right? Yes.
0: We met at the comedy store. I was doing a crazy thing in the belly room at the comedy store with a group of guys. There was at, a room called the Belly Room? The Belly Room upstairs. <laughs> and there was a band uh, that was uh, closed after me called the Beef Curtain Cowboys. And <laughs> were, so, yeah. Amazing. So Patrick saw that show that night and he was like, dude, I book a room in Santa Monica. You got to come over because I was playing this character called the dude. And so we used to do these shows in Santa Monica, and it was an absolute blast. It's probably the hardest room I've ever worked, but it was a blast. Oh, really? Yeah. Good hard? It was, because if you could even get one laugh there, we used to do that show on Wednesday nights, and then we had a regular show called The Zephyr Show with a bunch of uh, Chicago comedians uh,
1: at the Improv. And so
0: it it was a great tune-up Wednesday night. If you could even get one solid laugh at the Bitter Redhead, you knew that you were going to kill at the Improv.
1: That's amazing. Yeah.
0: So it was really, and it was, well, there were a lot of weird, funny, funny things that came out of there. But anyway. That's gonna, what is it,
1: Grace? If you can kill in the <laughs> kindergarten room, then you're good anywhere. Is that true? But man, when you bomb the kindergartners. If they buy your theology in kindergarten, they'll buy your theology in I did a, a class for kindergartners during Summer Adventure yeah. for our VBS this last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardest audience I've ever had. Really? 36 seconds in, they like all looked at me and just walked away. You're saying it was like, Well, I am clearly not equipped for this. Wow.
0: Oh, my. Yeah, there that can be a tough audience, too. Like for me, anytime I've been tasked with or gotten the opportunity, I should say, to teach younger kids, (laughs) what a privilege! (laughs) Thank you. What a privilege. But I noticed the score, it starts with the squirming for me. So I'm like, Oh, I'm losing them because they're, you know, they're squirming. I'm like, Okay, I got to do something. But then it's weird because if you go too big, like. And do, then you lose focus you, that never way. Never get them back. Yeah. yeah so that's why I uh, use a
1: Benadryl Mister for any group under ten. <laughs> a Benadryl uh, like Mister. That. That's perfect. I, I like that. it. Well, if you're listening to this, we made it past the uh, the holiday season, right? Uh, well, we made it past the Thanksgiving holiday season, but we're getting ready to enter the Christmas
0: holiday season. Is that correct?
1: Yes. I'm but, not
0: sure, but, but I think the that's the next they big holiday. To
1: it, yeah. It we'll be past Christmas. <laughs> this is a that's little true. inside baseball. Year, that's true. A little wow. behind
0: the curtain. Wow! Yeah, it's also complicated in the world of podcasting. Would it's never... very complicated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how we didn't do it for three weeks. Oh my gosh! His life is hard.
0: But this is going to be. Uh, I hope everybody did have a good holiday because you're probably listening to this now. What's this? Uh, July of 2027. I think so. We're that yeah. far
1: ahead. Certainly, the nuclear holocaust has happened. <laughs> the um, zombie apocalypse. The zombie apocalypse. We're all belong to the Koreas now.
0: <laughs> and uh, both the Koreas are they united? Did that happen?
1: They are now, Dan. Oh, Whoa, gosh.
0: oh, gosh.
1: Try to keep up with world affairs. Man, I
0: am just not firing on all pistons today.
1: <laughs> well, that's because in 2027, you're how old?
0: Uh, I'm not good with math. Math is not my thing, so I have no idea. I'm not a good test taker like you are, and I don't know math. Well, that's all right. That's all right. That's not needed
1: in, in your field, or mine, for that matter.
0: Well, yeah, but I think you're just naturally more scholastic and scholarly than
1: I am. No. Are you sure? I learned how to fake it.
0: Okay, let and me and have, have given up trying to make it. Before we but here I have a question. Okay. Before we introduce Patrick this week and get talking to our friend Patrick Keene, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Um so I was listening to some things this week on on YouTube on the YouTube which is always dangerous. It is dangerous. Um oh, I am just looking here to see uh, are we still are, are we, we still rolling? Oh, okay. I we're think, just catching up. There yeah, we yeah, go. There we, there we go. Yeah, we're rolling. Okay. We're rolling. Uh all right, thank you. Technical difficulties. Please stand by. Hey, uh, thanks Mark. <laughs> That's our engineer. <laughs> That's our engineer Mark. Thanks Mark. Mark.
1: Oh, Good
0: job. Um, You can't smoke in here, Mark. Hey, Barb, put out your cigar. Barb is not smoking a cigar. The
1: organist, man. She loves her cigars.
0: Anyway, go ahead. Uh, So listen to the YouTube as I want to do occasionally. And so I'm listening to things about different text lines
1: uh, from Scripture
0: is that something in your? Have you studied text those kinds? Of, yeah, in terms of like the different. It's like texts, the Bible like, code. Uh, well, no, just like uh, lines of lines of text from say the Vaticanus and some of these different. You know. Oh. You know what I'm I'm saying in terms of textual
1: criticism, you mean?
0: Yes, exactly. So where all the different. Uh, different compilations of scripture came out of, uh, like, Alexandrian and different things. Were you
1: reading Bart Ehrman, you heretic? uh,
0: Well, no, this guy was debating Bart Ehrman, so it was really interesting. James White was debating him, and it was really, like, again, a lot of it is way over my head. Is this... Do you have a working knowledge of that stuff that you get in seminary? I do, yeah. It was
1: fun. I think it was my last Greek class. No, I took a text criticism class, so we got to just kind of study the... It's called the apparatus. So, Mm -hmm. like, in... A Greek New Testament, Mm -hmm. um, or some Greek New Testaments, they'll have, um, for instance, the Nestle Elan 27. I think we're up to the 28th edition now, or the Mm -hmm. UBS. I had the four, but I think we're up to the six now. Okay. There's an apparatus down there where they'll give a reading, and then they'll they'll give variant readings kind of in the margin and talk about which manuscripts support the variant readings and which manuscripts support the... Uh, the reading that they've placed in there right, right, and then you know at least in the the u b s the United Bible society edition, yep they'll give it a rating as to how certain that the the reading they have in the text is the original reading, gotcha yeah that's that's a fascinating study it um, is. And, and I think a lot of people think that that undermines confidence in the Bible. Okay. I think
0: quite the opposite. Okay, right? I want that's what I wanted you to speak to because as I listened to this, like at first, as Bart Ehrman was talking, and those of you who may not be familiar with Bart Ehrman, you could Google it. He's a noted kind of Bible skeptic, but he's a scholar, and I don't know to what extent his scholarship is actually real and how much of it is just pumped up because I think sometimes media sources and other people will put people up who are supposed experts who aren't really like, for instance, like regardless of where you come down on Bill Nye. Bill Nye has been marketed as this great science expert, not necessarily he was an engineer, but he's not he's got no, like he's, a bachelor of science in engineering, right? Yeah, and he's traveled in scientific circles and stuff, yeah. and he certainly knows more than I do just by being around it by the most. Nah, but but uh, look, and I'm not making a statement either way, but it's just like I don't know what his scholarship and certain elements are, just like Bart Ehrman, I don't know. Well Ehrman's interesting because he yeah. is a
1: scholar and he's he's yeah. written scholarly works, but then yes. he also kind of has this populist literature yes. that really is aimed at undermining people's confidence in scripture. But
0: he will claim it's not it's not targeted at undermining but yet that's the effect
1: well and that's all the books he writes Correct. on a populist level are talking about that right, right? Right. And if you listen to his lectures, that's true. Yes. It's fascinating. I would love. Uh, we probably don't have time today, but I would love to explore that more. Okay,
0: that would be. I, that was my question for you. Is in your knowledge of that and the amounts you've had to study that has it has that uh, diminished or strengthened your faith?
1: Knowing that there are several different readings in all of that, uh, totally strengthened. And I yeah. think a lot of people think that the Bible descended from heaven intact. Correct. Right, and I think. We see that God not only inspired the writing of Scripture, but he's also superintended and inspired the, the transmission of it so that we can say with absolute confidence that the word of God that we have in English matches um, the original manuscripts, even though we don't have the original manuscripts, which right. Ehrman loves to talk about. Right. In fact, Ehrman loves to say we have, we don't have any thousands origins. of right. copies, right? right, right that right, diverge right. In, in lots of different ways. What, what is it? Is it 400,000 variants, I think, is what he claims yes, he, between the 1,700 manuscripts. He, he, but when you look at those, most of, most of those are orthographic variances or spelling differences. They're inconsequential In system, to the meaning. Yeah, they didn't have a, a systematized right. uh, um, way to spell things, right? Correct, correct. Um, so you actually boil it down. There's only a few variants that actually are significant, and even right. then we can go back to the original manuscripts and, and piece it together. Here's the yes. analogy I like to yeah. use. If you look at uh, a field of grass, Dan, yes. close so your it- eyes and imagine... A field of grass. Okay, now I'm getting getting itchy. itchy. Do you have that Benadryl that you were talking about earlier? I do have some Zyrtec. There's a light breeze. Okay, good. And one of the things you can see is Uh you can see where people have walked because the grass is trodden down. Yes. And I think that's kind of the way text criticism works. So some of the principles are that the older reading is preferred, the more difficult reading is preferred, because we tend to make things more simple, not more complicated, as we copy and kind of change the text. Gotcha. And so part of what you're trying to do in, in doing, kind of going through the apparatus, is see where is where is the path that people have walked, and yes. how do we try to discern what the original text uh, is and has been transmitted?
0: Interesting. So be okay. fun to talk about sometime. I would love to talk about that with Brian, because I think uh, you know he's had some, and, and I continually have basic questions all the time about things like this. A lot of this stuff is foundational for a lot of people, but for me, as I was listening to all these debates... I was like, holy smoke! So I think there's something interesting in there for for our listeners and for Brian and for me. I would love to learn some of that. The thing that I found that was interesting that James White would say is is Ehrman would always say, okay, well, we don't have the originals, but but White says, how do you know what in what we have there, one of those is not the originals? He believes that the the original interpretation is is presented somewhere in what we have.
1: Right. Well, and I think. Rather than having one, you know, intact Bible that came down from heaven, yes. we do have all these fragments and pieces right. and right. manuscripts like right. Codex Alexandrinus right. or Vaticanus or something like that, right. and I think when you put all of that together, right. you can very easily... You get a good picture. Yeah, you get exactly what the text is, right? There's not really a lot of question about that. Yeah. I think because the process is a little bit, quote-unquote, messier than yes. what Ehrman would like and other people think, I sure. think they look at that and think that that uh, causes us to be skeptical about the text of Scripture, right. when in fact, we have... Even more than what we need, right? In okay. fact, we have about a hundred and three percent of the New Testament. Okay,
0: that and that was that was Doctor White's point is that you know we have more than than not enough. So anyway, sorry to go down that rabbit trail. Um, we'll pick that
1: up at a later time. But for now,
0: yeah, we should probably to... talk to our friend Patrick Keene. Let's do it. And now we are pleased to be joined by my good friend Patrick Keane Patrick, how are you, my friend?
2: Good, guys. Thanks for having me, Dan, Jared. Thanks, uh, guys. Glad to have you here,
0: man. We are so glad to have you here. Now, I was telling Jared earlier, uh, we go we go pretty far back. You know, we have Irwin on this show every once in a while, and uh, I think we all met around the same time, didn't we?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, I was thinking about it recently, how Warren Cowan, the PR company, was handling that Las Vegas Comedy Festival in, like, 01. That's right. 02. That's absolutely right. And I knew you then because he was like, "Oh, you got to see this guy, Dan Satchoff, do his thing." And you know, we, we kind of snuck in that audition room. I was, I was,
0: because I was telling Jared the first time you and I met, I was doing the belly room, and you were getting ready to go on. And uh, so you were, uh, you were standing in the back, and you saw me in the Beef Curtain Cowboys. And yes. uh, and you came up to me and you said, "Hey, I do a show, uh, The of Redhead, in Santa Monica. I'd love to have you on that show." And I was like, "That sounds great."
2: It was wasn't that when we yeah. Yeah, that was quite a cast of characters. I, I the guy who booked that was a Trainum, Brian Trainum, I guess. That's right. um, yeah, he knew how to find talent. He was a Chicago guy, and uh, yeah, it was just it was just the most unique show I'd ever seen.
1: You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm confused though. Is Beef Curtain Cowboys like a band? Is that a comedy group? <laughs> I just, do you want to, do you want I don't
2: ex- know from that yeah. name what it is. Do you want to explain it, Patrick? Yeah, it was. Um, I'm not sure what, what it was, or uh, I'm sure it's got some hidden meaning, but uh, <laughs> it was three three guys. Um, I, it's crazy. I mean, the lead singer, who wasn't a singer, he was just a guy that kind of talked and did spoken word into a megaphone. and uh, Dressed like, like in a, a flight Daniel, uniform, wasn't he? Was that a Daniel Boone coonskin cap? Well, no, he was
0: He was in a flight uniform, I think. Wasn't trained in a flight oh, uniform. Right. And then Darth that's Vader, right. a guy dressed in a Darth right. Vader costume, played a toy drum set, but he could really play the drums. <laughs> and then there was a guy named uh, Murder One, who, now, Murder One wasn't on the didgeridoo. Murder, Murder One was just their, uh, their guard. This guy had been a real, hadn't he been a real bodyguard or a hell's angel or something, Pat?
2: Well, I know he'd done, he'd served time, definitely. Okay. Um, so he but he was stand the, the guy in the world at that point.
0: Yeah, and he'd stand in the corner of the stage with his arms folded, looking tough, and then there was a guy on a didgeridoo with a football helmet. I think it was a Redskins football helmet, if I'm not It
2: saying. was. It was a Redskins face mask.
0: Was everybody on drugs or (laughs) no? And it was the funniest. And they would play real songs, and but they were hilarious songs. Like just I can't, I can't say most of them on our podcast. (laughs) But uh, there was some that I could. But it was just it was hilarious. It was just crazy and hilarious. But it was really fun and were crazy times. And then Patrick and I met, and did I was telling Jared we did the bitter redhead, and Pat that was I mean how outstanding was that? Because I was telling Jared about when you and I would do what was that a Wednesday night show? I think.
2: That was a Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night, it was supposed to start at nine. I think it usually started at ten fifteen, <laughs> like everything in Hollywood. But uh, what was good about that, Dan, was it was just such a gritty room that, like, if you could be clean and perform well and get a good audience response, then you could do well anywhere. Yeah, true. Uh, you know, because some guys would go in there and kill, and that's good for them. They couldn't really kill other places, but uh, that was. Uh, and 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 worse than grit was indifference, you know, with the audiences. They've just they've seen it all. Their arms are folded. Nobody cares. Isn't that the and, title of your autobiography?
0: You know, worse than grit is indifference?
2: Yes. Yes. That, that, would, be, that would be it. Because L.A., everybody's seen it all, and that's that's so hard. I'd rather have a New York audience that's that's at least chiming in, even though they're tough. Absolutely. Um, Patrick, where are you from right? originally? Uh, originally from Toledo, Ohio.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. I'm from Canada. Yeah. Oh,
2: nice! Oh, wow! Okay, Hall of Fame, football Hall of Fame. Yeah, amen. Yeah,
0: and Patrick is a bit of a savant when it comes to sports. Anything you want to know about sports, literally, Patrick is the man. Am I
2: right, Patrick? Yeah, yeah, maybe to a fault. Yeah, <laughs> to a fault. That's awesome. Yeah, it's not, it's not pretty. Um, but yeah, we moved around. I grew up in Orange County mostly, and then uh, you know, we lived all over the place. We moved a ton wherever we worked. My dad was taking any job. Uh, you know that he could, but I mean, in a good way, we were kind of moving up in the world, but, and as a result, I just followed sports teams and like kind of glommed on to whomever was local. And uh, also that's how I track my childhood. Oh, 1984, the Tigers won the world series. That was the year we moved uh, from Michigan out to orange County. You know, just, it's, it helps (laughs) me remember.
0: That is so, that is so awesome, Pat. And that was one of the things too, when I first started seeing Patrick work on stage, he had a great joke, and stories that he would tell on stage about uh, when your dad got out of the corporate end of things, then he started Keen's Religious Goods and Gifts, right?
2: That's right. That's right. Uh, late 90s, because he had done m M&M Mars. He had done uh, Mattel Toys. He had done haagen and, and he had big uh, jobs
0: in those companies.
2: Those were amazing. haagen days were, I think, the best, just because we were getting older and we were over candy, but weren't, we weren't over ice cream. <laughs>
0: And he was a VP at that
2: at those places, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was a VP of uh, of what was it? Of marketing, advertising, and marketing for North America.
1: Oh wow! Okay.
2: So uh, he was Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. That's where he did all his time, hmm. and uh, got to travel a little bit with them, and that was great. We had freeze. We had two big freezers in the in the garage full of ice cream at any time we wanted. <laughs> um, that's dangerous. So that was nice. That was a good way to make friends.
0: And Patrick told me a great story, a, a secret story that we'll probably get sued for on the air now about haagen how it got its name. Right, Patrick?
2: That's right. That's right. It was uh, – I think the guys just looked at the words Duncan Hines and jumbled the letters up, and uh, they were like, haagen well, it sounds European. Let's just do it because really they're headquartered in Teaneck, New Jersey. <laughs> I awesome. thought that
1: was like German for ice cream or something yeah. like that. Hagenaz, yes. oh that, yeah, isn't that
2: awesome?
1: That's Patrick
0: amazing. told me that I was blown away. But as as I watched Patrick work on stage, he would start telling stories about Keens religious goods and gifts. What was that like? So was that mainly uh, the that
2: was yeah. So that would have been the late nineties or well, that would have been yeah ninety seven. I guess he was out of the out of the corporate world, and then that came uh, as a result of a combination of my mom's love of kind of arts and crafts and you know manger scenes. And uh, stuff like that with my dad's business acumen, and he just thought, because oh, because where we came from in Toledo, Ohio, a big Catholic kind of populace, they had a there was a Churchill's religious goods and gifts, and they just made a huge killing, you know, because a lot of people you don't know where to go to get the stuff, a manger scene or a wreath or a card, <laughs> uh, jewelry. But in Orange County, there wasn't one, and my dad's like, well, there's few million Catholics in Orange County and uh, there's no Catholic stores, so you know, we'll make a killing and, and my mom will enjoy working in a little boutique shop. So were you raised
1: Catholic or were you
0: can you consider yourself nominally Catholic? Did you guys go to church? What was what was that like?
2: Yeah, we were raised Catholic uh, you know I guess Irish Roman Catholic, and then even though we're German Irish, but uh, you know, obviously they report back to the Vatican there, and then uh, <laughs> they, report back. they report back. I love it. Yeah, so we uh, we were raised we were raised pretty Catholic, and then uh, even growing up, uh, going to school every every Sunday. I don't think I missed many, if any, until I was eighteen and in college on my own. And did
0: did that pass, did that shape you at all? Or was it just something that you just kind of had to do and you did it culturally or did it, did it have an impact on you? Like when you were in college, when you were uh, starting?
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I think if I could go back, I went to a Catholic college as well. Uh, if I, if I could go back, I probably wouldn't do that. I think I'd had grade school and high school was, was enough. Yeah. Um, because you know, like open yourself up to the world, you know? Right. And, uh, I, I, yeah, we went to church, and I, I do like the structure of it, and I liked a lot of that. I think as I get some distance on that now, um, you know, with all the controversy and the cover-ups in the Catholic Church, I, um, I, you know, you try to, like, open yourself up, and you, and you look for answers, and uh, it, it's more about that relationship and not so much about the rituals. I, I think I'm able to look at it more objectively and just go, wow, we do a lot of rituals and do we really need these clothes? Do we really need these, uh, you know, these lifestyles? And so I think you have a lot of people from the Catholic faith, um, kind of maybe leaving or, 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 looking for more. Um, but I, 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 gotta say early on, it did help, especially with sports. If you play sports, the Catholic thing and yeah. kind of the Notre Dame thing. And, and just, I think Catholics are very good with the churches. I mean, all the, uh, the stained glass, it's very kind of intimidating. Yeah. Um, but also very empowering. You're like, oh my God, you know, you have this higher sense of self or purpose, um, which for a young person, you don't know how to process all that.
0: Absolutely. And I, the reason I ask you how it impacted you, because I noticed, I think I was telling Jared this, uh, one of the first uh, bits other than Keen's Religious Goods and Gifts that I heard you do on stage was uh, your downtown Eden joke. Can you uh, Can you tell us that real quick?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, it, it, it I think it's good uh, in timelessness because it just starts with, you know, everybody's worried constantly and, and you know, because we believe these media cues about the world ending every day and, and, oh, you know, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. And it's like there can't be that much breaking news. You, you guys, every five minutes on the news, it says breaking news, you know, <laughs> and uh, and we think, you know, the sky is falling, the chicken little concept And I just start off the joke by saying, look, if you want world peace, you got to start off by turning the TV off and walking outside, you know, Um, because, you know, the world never got people like the world's gotten violent. The world never got violent. There is no got. The world has been violent since the beginning. Cain killed Abel. (laughs) (laughs) Cain killed the third person on the planet, killed the fourth person on the planet. (laughs) We weren't even able to make it to three people before somebody was a murderer. So at one time, a third of the people on the planet were murderers, you know, and a third of the people in the hood aren't murderers. A third of the people who own guns aren't murderers. A third of the people in jail aren't even murderers. San Quentin, Folsom Prison and Alcatraz are safer than the book of Genesis, you know, um, and you thought Compton and Baghdad were tough. Try downtown Eden after the sun goes down. <laughs>
1: Dude, that is such a great bit. You, I, yeah. I have degrees in theology, and I never have thought about it that way before. That's a, yeah. That a third yeah. of the people on the planet were murderers. Oh. Yeah, it's, Isn't it's that a, a great, great bit, view. though? Oh, that's
0: great. And it's just like, I mean, do you still do that bit on stage?
2: Yeah, I usually close with it. Um, I usually close with it. And, it and it does well regardless of where you are because it addresses you know it tr- I think and hopefully it transcends all walks of life um,
0: oh, it, and, it tr- uh, it's such a good and, and when you and I first started kind of having some faith conversations like Patrick and I do a corporate show together and so we've you know we've traveled the country doing that kind of stuff and um and I think I I gave you reason for God I think is that what I gave you
2: Yeah that's it that's it He he I think he's the uh, is he is he a pastor in New York Yeah I don't Tim know. Keller Yes Keller Yeah that's him Yeah
0: Yeah and what when you read that like what did that I'd be interested to hear the, the differences that you noticed between that and like your Catholic upbringing like what are what are any 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 differences that kind of came to mind as you were reading that
2: I, I mean the the biggest thing is is how how kind of simple it is in concept, you know, as Catholics, we just have, it's all these things, you know, you have Jesus and Mary and God. And so you have these three things you're dealing with. And then you have like, you know, memorizing these prayers and you have the Holy days of obligation and saints and, and all this, these good works, it's all about good works, good works, good works, which is a great thing. Of course. Um, The big thing for me was it just always goes back to that relationship with Jesus, the relationship with God, like, What's your personal relationship that nobody else has to know about? Um, you know, it's just that kind. Of, and you and in church and prayer is everywhere. You know, it's not just okay, ten fifteen on Sunday. At the, you know, at thirty two, fifty six Warren Street, or the church. You know, it's it's everywhere. It goes beyond these walls. So, it, it kind of opened up things for me instead of being so rigid, right? You know, uh, that that it's kind of more fluid. And, uh, and, and, you know, that opens up all kinds of synapses in your brain. And then also look, growing, living in Hollywood this long now, I mean, I'm almost 20 years in Hollywood, which, you know, like every other human, I think that the rest of the world is on the same trajectory as me. So I just think, oh, I guess religion's not a big part of people's lives anymore, going solely on my own experience in Hollywood. And then you get outside to do the road, to go perform, to go travel and you see, oh, wow, like, and Keller talks about it in his book that the growth of Christianity in, A- I think it was Asia and Africa, he said, or maybe it was China and Africa. Yeah, specifically China. Or, I don't know, Asia in general. He said it's just it's the amount of Christians now is just it's mind that's mind blowing. And uh, I was like, oh, silly me, I thought it was this dead thing. Yeah, and uh, and it's quite the opposite.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's places in in Asia. You know, China, for instance, where uh, tens of millions of people have, have become Christians in the last 20 or 30 years, and there's just an explosion. that's true. In a lot of the global South, it's true in Latin America, it's true in the African continent. Um, so I mean, you look at, you, know, you look at Europe 100 years ago, or, or even further back in history, and see that there was this strong presence of Christianity, whereas now there's a strong presence of atheism. And I think there's a sense in which in the U.S.. We're kind of headed in that regard. And in fact, a lot of theologians and anthropologists would call American society a post-Christian kind of thing, where there was kind of a sure. pseudo-veneer of Christianity for a long time in the U.S., and that is largely fading. So I think, yeah, depending on, on your circle, you know, it feels like maybe religion in general, but certainly Christianity specifically, is kind of waning. But yeah, you go to other places in the world and... Man, that's just not the case at all. It's totally different.
0: And I think that's something you and I share in common, Patrick, because we've been in Hollywood and we've been entrenched in in inter- entertainment and chasing this for so long that a lot of times, like when I, gosh, it was I'd been out here a long time before my before I started even thinking about faith because I was so post Christian in terms of or, or or spirituality just in general. Like, ah, what what do I need that for? What is what is that, and why would that why why do you even need to know truth? You know what I mean? And um, I don't know if you can say this, but one of the things for me that kind of that was a catalyst for that. And we've talked to Brian about this and he's been very honest. He just he says, you know, I don't I there hasn't been a catalyst really to make him think about what happens when you die or to think about some of those things because he's been very lucky. He'll say, you know, my, my folks are still alive and everything. And you and I share that we both we both lost our dads around the same time. I mean, I'm a little older than you are, but I was about I think your age. How old were you when your dad died?
2: I think 30 uh, early thirties.
0: Yeah. So that's Uh, where I was and we lost our dads around that same time. And for me, that was a real catalyst for, I I had already started exploring my faith, but it really, really hit me because there's nothing like death that really makes you start thinking about the big questions, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it'll blow you away and you're never fully prepared. You know, you think you you got it under control. Um, and you're never fully prepared for losing a, a loved one, of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it makes you think about bigger, bigger things. And, um, you know, and and like I, I don't know why it's the holidays now. We're, we're near the holidays here, but so I'm like I think about him now. I'm thinking about my grandmother, who was the most recent before him that passed. And uh, I don't know. There's a reason you come back to these things in your thinking. Um, yeah, absolutely, but, uh, Patrick. Yeah, you said something- it, it does. It forces you to ask questions because you don't want that person gone forever. Of course, you know you want to know or think or feel that you'll meet them again and that this was all this wasn't all for nothing, you know, that their time here wasn't all for nothing. Yeah. And, uh, so you, you, you search and you ask and I don't know. I I don't know. I I think some people are just accept, okay, I'll see him someday, you know, or see her someday. Um, but I mean, you still have questions, right?
1: What would you say? Um, do you feel like those questions have been largely resolved in your mind, or are still looming as you think about
2: yeah, eternity? Yeah, I mean, and- to you know, to a large extent, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think most are, are are answered, and then some. You just go with, uh, you know, you, you just let life happen a little bit and, and do the best you can, and uh, you know, you're in a good place. And and you, you try, I try to study, I try to like focus on, oh, what he did while he was here. And it was a great life, and uh, you, you know, and you, you try to pay respect to that life by, you know, you got his name, so you try to pay respect to that name, and uh, you try to live in the way that you were brought up, because you 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 think when you're growing up, you're like, oh, every family's like this, every family's raised like this, and then you get out in the world, and you're like, oh my God, there's a lot less decent people than I thought, mm. and uh, so you're just thankful that you had the time with your parents that you did.
1: You said something interesting just a second ago. You said reading Keller's book was kind of an indication that maybe things were more simple than how you've been raised. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what
2: Yeah, I think I think um there's just I'm speaking as a and I don't know if it's just me or if it's a catholic thing but just there's just so many uh boxes that you have to kind of check off and you know and they get in the the they get in the clothes and uh <laughs> you know whether it's a you know a bishop an archbishop a cardinal and it's like And then confession has to go through a a mediator. And then these people that are, you know, telling us, uh, they're kind of our link to faith and and God, there's like a third party and, 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 and they can't have, uh, you know, they can't enjoy earthly pleasures with women or, or now there's women priests who can't enjoy earthly pleasures with men. And I just, it's like this thing that you hold on high, even the Bible, the average Catholic is not going to know the Bible as well as, uh, you know, uh, a, another Christian denomination. Um, we almost hold it on high, like, oh no, that book's not to be opened. And it's like, well, that's what it's there for. Like, <laughs> how are you going to get them? That's merely
1: decorative. Please don't touch that. Yeah,
2: you. yeah, yeah. That's really like hold it up on high, like holier than thou. Um, you know, it's all about. I don't know. It's just all about these high walls. It's. I'm, I'm just giving you the perception of someone that kind of started in Catholicism and yeah. and has slipped away a little bit, but. I, I don't think that matters if you have that relationship with God. I, I don't think you have to have a Catholic label on it or a, uh, uh, any label, really Christian label or, or, you know, or anything. And, uh, but that was the beauty of my parents was they as Catholic as they were, they were also, you know, my dad was in the business world and, and, you know, we played sports growing up and he coached a lot and he had a lot of Mormon. he, he loved the Mormon uh, way of life with the sports and, you know, he wasn't a big drinker. His, his dad was a drinker and his, his, uh, father-in-law was a drinker, but he wasn't a drinker. So he really kind of embraced Mormon's, uh, seriousness towards like sports and life and work. And, uh, he had Jewish friends too, that he, he loved because he's like, look at the emphasis on education and, and family. And, and so, um, you know, those things transcended our, our kind of Catholic beliefs. So while we were Catholic, there was also those kind of outlets to the world that, that he said, this is bigger, you know, and, uh, he made us think bigger than that. So I, I think all around they did a great job, my parents. And I, I, hope that, uh, I hope that people have access to people like that in their lives. I know that not everybody does, but, um, but again, back to what, like Keller was saying, it's just, you, you focus on that relationship with, uh, you know, God and Jesus. And, 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 and when you die kind of, that's, that's the emphasis there it's not like in the catholic faith we, we do a, it's a lot about deeds it's a lot about deeds and then going to a third party to get forgiven for sins and it's like god's right there i'm I'm sitting in a cluttered room in my house right now and uh, you know i can have a relationship here i could pray here right now but um you know i don't need to drive to church in traffic or something but anyway i'm rambling a little bit
1: but. well i mean i think that's interesting i didn't grow up Catholic, uh, but I, I grew up in Mexico City. My parents were missionaries there, and we grew up pretty close to the largest uh, Roman Catholic religious site in Latin America. Um, wow. And so it's yeah. interesting to to see the contrast between the, um, the wonderful uh, Mexican Christians that I got to worship with at the church my parents were part of, and then when we would go and visit these religious sites, just see the really strong distinction. And admittedly, I think Latin American Catholicism is a little bit different than... Than uh, North American or, or American Catholicism, but what I would go see there, which like is forever imprinted on my mind, are people going through these kind of insane religious rituals. Like there was um, the the Virgin of Guadalupe is the the main kind of religious site there, and it's built on this mountain, so people would walk up on their knees. Well, I'll back up. They would. They would uh, do a pilgrimage where they would walk hundreds of miles on foot to get there. And then when they got there, they would walk up on their knees up this mountain. Wow. And you would look at people's faces. I mean, here, this was essentially the the pinnacle of religious expression for a Roman Catholic. And it wasn't hope or joy that was written on their face. It was fear. I mean, it was was legitimate fear and and kind of the hope that this religious expression would be enough. And so I just remember processing that with, with my dad. I'm like you. I have have an amazing dad, and, you know, just kind of him talking about the difference between evangelical Christianity and Catholicism was, as you said, Catholicism was totally based on what is it that I can do to hopefully tip the scales in my favor, and for these people, that was walking hundreds of miles and intentionally putting themselves in in pain. And so then just to yeah. realize that the message of Scripture is... um you know, that the bad news is actually much worse than we think, right? That we're, we're far more broken by our sin than we, we thought, that we're on our way to this eternal judgment that we deserve because we sinned against God. But God's grace and mercy is even better, is even greater than the level of our sin and brokenness, that Jesus came to bear the penalty for me so that I don't have to, to walk hundreds of miles. I don't have to climb my way up a mountain and hope that it's enough, Um, that Jesus came to save me from my sin. And as you said, being in relationship with him by grace through faith is what transforms me. So that now the Christian life isn't every Sunday I get up and go do the knee thing up the mountain. Every Sunday I get to go and now be joyful in worshiping God because of what he's done for me in Christ. And that was just like a, a really stark thing. I mean, I still remember, I remember one time being in the National Cathedral downtown in Mexico, and there was a lady who was praying in front of this saint and she was making herself throw up and crossing herself. And I, I mean, there's just these moments from my childhood that are burned in my memory as I saw yes. people do religious expression with this empty hopelessness. And I think that's just reinforced. You know, when we, one of the things we talk about on this podcast is, is worldview and examining all the different worldviews out there. And I think the thing that um, has kept me Christian, if I could say that, all these years is, is not just my background, but genuinely wrestling with other worldviews and seeing the only hope of redemption comes not in any kind of other religious expression. It comes in the person of Jesus Christ, and and I th- can think back just to my experience in and around Catholicism and just see how needed that was. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, yeah, that that really sums it up. That that kind of self-flagellation that just yeah,
1: right. That's essentially yeah. what it was. Yeah,
0: and part of the worldview issue too becomes, which I think is so interesting that even before you really were wrestling with your faith or thinking about these bigger things is you had that joke far before that with, uh, you know, with Cain and Abel and the basis of, you know, the worldview from the Christian worldview is, hey, we're all broken. We start as sinners. We start as broken people, not we start as we're all really good people,
1: right? But I was thinking as you were saying that, just, just again, the way you framed it was super poignant to emphasize that even in the Garden of Eden, even with three or at one time four people there, there was still the presence of evil, right? There was still sin in their hearts that kind of emphasizes the need for yeah. something. Like Cain didn't need religious expression. He needed somebody to save him from all of that. Um, and not to not to get all preachy here. Uh, Go ahead, you're a pastor. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but in Genesis 3, like as, um, as Adam and Eve sinned the first time in Genesis 3.15, God makes this promise that one day he's gonna send somebody uh, who's gonna step into human history as a man and in the words of Scripture, is going to uh, crush the head of the snake, right? The the snake being Satan. So that one day he's going to send somebody in who's going to defeat sin and death and overcome the curse. And to the point yeah. of your joke there, like that, you see how needed that is, not just in Adam and Eve's sin, but then in the sins of their children throughout biblical narrative, right? and even in our world today. And I think there's just so much more hope in Jesus than religion. That's My right. Gosh. So you're, yeah,
2: you're, and you're, and you... You're, go ahead. You, you talk to sometimes... You talk to people that have uh, that are in a good place with their faith, and they don't like necessarily the word religion, or they don't like you know because that has the word has nothing to do with their relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that's everybody, but it really, you know, it, it, we we paint these general broad pictures, and uh, like I was, what was I, watch? I was watching the movie Hell or, Come Hell or High Water, and oh, yeah. uh, Jeff Riches plays this Texas uh, ranger. And uh, he's having this conversation with this Native American and they're watching some TV evangelist. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a fan of, you know, Jesus and the Bible. I don't know what this guy's selling. And I'm like,
0: oh, <laughs> right. there's
2: Nailed. a difference. Like, too many people are judging Jesus off that TV evangelism that might seem disingenuous uh, depending on who's delivering the message. But uh, anyway, it's, it's a lot of it's misconstrued. Yeah, we definitely um, talked about
1: the- that with Brian, just that there's there's so many bad representations of what Christianity is like in our in our culture. Absolutely. Uh, even in being a, a post-Christian culture and you know the thing that Dan always takes takes us back to is if you want to know what Christianity is about, look at Jesus, right? And hopefully, like you know, a, a smudged mirror, we can reflect what Jesus is like. But yeah, there's lots of people who are really bad reflections, or just none at all. They're just kind of opaque and <laughs> don't actually show what Jesus is like because they're not—they're not actually changed by the gospel.
0: And like we always tell Brian, that's a reflection not on on Christ. That's a reflection on broken humanity, right? That, that that's why we need. That's why we need a savior. So it's, yeah, you're uh you're a theologian. You don't even know it with your uh, with your downtown Eden. Oh, uh, really.
2: yeah. yeah. You need to <laughs> yeah. write a book, man. Well, you know, I I, I lived in. I lived in Korea for a year teaching English, and uh, that's actually a pretty Christian Asian country, yeah. interestingly enough. Um, Korea is, but because uh, and and because that's where a lot of because uh, that it's a peninsula, it's got a lot of like a lot of or European influence there. But um, there was a Catholic church being built while I was there, and I was on this island off the coast of Korea, and there was a Catholic church being built, and it was kind of obstructing the view of. The ocean of the South China Sea, and and I was like, oh, this is so ironic. They're they're destroying beautiful nature with this structure. And I remember thinking, Jesus would probably go to them and be like, hey guys, let's let's we can make it a one-story place of worship. You know, we don't need (laughs) like you guys are obstructing this beautiful view. Like, what 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 are you doing? You know, and it's basically dollar signs. um, That's right or something. Well, Jesus but was big uh,
0: into zoning yeah. too. He would have changed the zoning That's so it really was only true. one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in other manuscripts you see that for sure the zoning stuff.
0: <laughs> Pat, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I think we've just scratched the surface with you because I didn't we haven't talked about your your time in in Japan and in uh Korea. In, in yeah. Korea. No, yeah. he wasn't
2: Japan. Yeah, it was oh, both was both. Okay. I'm yeah. sorry. Both.
0: Yeah, he but was. That's, he a whole was both. that's
2: a whole different. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Matter of right. fact,
0: we got on. A, I thought he was messing with me one time. We, we were doing a corporate gig, and we were on a plane, and there was Japanese people behind us, and they were talking. and Patrick started smirking and laughing to himself, and I was like, "What? What's so funny?" He's like, "Oh, just their conversation is is hilarious or something." I was like, "Wait, wait what?" And I, I, I said, "No, you're <laughs> joking." He's no, no. He's guy's fluent in Japanese. That's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah proficient i don't know about fluent but proficient uh, but, You're pretty uh,
0: pretty darn good man hey uh so will you come back sometime and talk to us some more
2: yeah absolutely absolutely i love it and i, I gotta tell you man i'm watching a lot of that uh it's john these two guys john christ and uh oh, some trey kennedy man on instagram this oh, guy's yeah. hilarious uh, yeah. christian uh christian comics They're very funny
1: i just went to see him uh i think it was in hollywood yeah at the oh, world really oh, No, it was in it was in Koreatown. yeah yeah, it yeah. was pretty funny. It's it's good stuff. Doing a good show.
0: And and when you're here, especially, it makes for a really good joke because uh, it's a Bulgarian an Irishman, and Irishman and a German walk into a bar.
2: Nice. Oh, I love it. Right? And the I Irishman raised just, a German raised in Mexico City. That's I right. go figure. Right? That's, right. that's there right. are dozens of us I'm and sure. a Bulgarian
0: raised in Colorado. So I don't yeah, know. We're all one. <laughs> we <laughs> that's true. Patrick Keane, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is Christianese. Uh, if you like the show today, give us a review. If you don't like the show today, like stop I listening. told you before, stop listening or go give a bad review to Hollywood Anonymous. That's Brian Irwin's podcast. Um, hey Pat, you're you're starting a podcast too, aren't you? A sports podcast? You want to plug it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know what the hell we're going to call it. I think we're going to call it uh this week in sports history or something but that's uh, okay it, it'll be out in uh, it'll be out in march, march february march okay not yeah, that this be will be do you, you any good because we are the least listened
0: event. to podcast in america but when that happens we will give you a plug on here and it will do absolutely nothing to further
1: your podcast yeah my mom then go listen to your sports <laughs> podcast that'll be it. yeah so it's perfect that's awesome
0: <laughs> pat thanks for uh, thanks for being with us this is christian ease we'll see you next time guys
1: all right Bow.